And we're off. We're back again. Mm. Holiday week at One Night in Pinehurst. Uh, we're really excited to to share a special guest with a great story. Um, Aaron and uh, Maddie is going to make the introduction here. Uh, this is Brothers Week, so um, yeah. Maddie, off to you, my friend. Well, I think it's it, we we were we started it with Family Week, so we don't want to limit it. But I, I suppose this is probably as far as we need to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a fun little concept that I think, much like the the overall uh, theme of this show, we we figured it on the fly, Family Week, which is nice, but. It works out pretty well. So my brother Aaron has one of the more fascinating stories in terms of what he's planning to do. And we're going to get into that today. Um, where He's dubbed it the boat plan. And so um, as I think people will will come to realize here as we go, um, my brother is definitely uh, he marches to the beat of his own drum in all the good ways. So he's he's kind of going at life a different way and he's he's found a different path and he's completely happy with with that path. So. I'm excited. We're going to get a fun little back and forth. We'll get some stories. I think listeners will enjoy. Um, we have a lot of common mutual friends too. So I think people will get a good, good, good kick out of this, but coming to us live from the boat Absolutely. is Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the show, man. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Uh, looking forward to where this conversation takes us. Yeah. Gibby, you had a great conversation. Start- oh, sorry. I should ask. Green room, back room. It was it was in the green room because this might be going out, especially because we had the the okay. background. Aaron's on the boat, okay. um, so it's definitely going to go out to YouTube. So green okay. room. Otherwise, it's backstage. Aaron, sorry, I flipped. Yeah, between yeah. green room uh, backstage. I, I just like to keep you on your toes. Green room works. Yeah, um, we, <laughs> you you started you, you you informally started the podcast in the green room by just kind of catching up and asking my brother how how we got to this point. And I think we should just do it again. It was a great I, answer. It was a great back and forth. I, I think it was fantastic. So yeah. I was, I was really curious, right? Like we're, we're going to get to, you know, the, the, I was going to say the Moby Dick of the story, but, but so much pun intended there. With the, with the <laughs> You're going to edit that out. You're going to edit it out. <laughs> Um, some of the meat of it but you know and talk about the boat plan as you put it maddie but um you know i was really curious like what what was the impetus like when did you start thinking about aaron like hey we're gonna take our family we're gonna go on this trip um and and then we'll get to the planning process too but but if you don't mind kind of uh telling us a little bit about that, that trigger moment or, or what, you know, really caught your attention there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like I was saying before, it's kind of strange how you can look back at life sometimes and you'll remember it can be these very specific moments and that can totally change the trajectory of your life. So for Liz and I, my wife, we were living in Templeton, uh, on a cul-de-sac, beautiful little neighborhood. Everything was fine, but we weren't really fully content. And I remember Liz looking at me and being like, do you want to live in Templeton for the rest of your life? And I'm like, no. No So I'm a nurse. (laughs) And we decided at that point, we had a daughter, Mila, who was about eight months old, I think. Let's go travel around the country. And you can take three-month travel assignments, and then we'll decide where we want to live. So we rented the house. We moved into Liz's mother's house. In the meantime, I took a travel assignment in Massachusetts, which led me to like a three-hour commute. 
Um, during that commute, I discovered podcasts, started listening to everything. And one of the podcasts was called Family Adventure Podcast. And during that podcast, this guy talked about how he was working, I think in the construction business. Uh, he had like three or four kids, did the classic 40, 50 hours a week, yeah. kind of saw the kids, never had anything like deep, meaningful going on with them because life was just too busy. So they decided to sell everything and they bought a catamaran in Greece. They had limited sailing experience. They sailed a boat on a lake, I guess, but that was it. And their thought was, even though they didn't know how to sail much, they're going to move on to this catamaran in Greece and they could motor island to island because you could see all the islands there. And worst case scenario, they don't sail much, but they have a year adventure and time with the family to be together and live in the islands and where Greece is. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. And then they ended up spending five years sailing around the Mediterranean. Uh, his wife got pregnant. They had a baby in Israel. And then they were about to sell the boat in the Mediterranean, fly back home. And somebody was like, oh, when are you crossing? And they said, crossing what? <laughs> like the Atlantic. <laughs> like, we're not crossing the Atlantic. That's crazy. You're not. And they're like, of course you could cross the Atlantic. You just sailed in the Mediterranean. That's way harder. There's nothing to hit in the Atlantic. And they're like, oh, <laughs> never yeah. even crossed my mind. So then they sailed across the Atlantic. You know, five years later, sold the boat. Now they're back in normal life. And he started a podcast about families doing this kind of stuff. And I remember just like the sun is setting. That podcast is going off and it's ding, 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 ding. I'm like, I have to do that. I have to do that. And that was a good like seven years ago. Okay. And it's slowly, yeah. slowly just been trickling in the mind. And then as far as the travel nursing end of the story goes we went to san diego stayed there eight months had our second child harrison then we moved to petaluma where we are now um and then never left petaluma we really love it here so we intended to keep traveling but now we're here bought a house got a little roots going on work is good but then life is just too ugh. it's too busy and then the boat plan i call it just kept like percolating percolating in the back of my mind and now it's like it's taking drastic actions to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And there, I think you and I talked about this too. Well, a couple of things. One, there is scientific evidence that you, people that live near bodies of water and see water and are on or work around water are just happier in general. Yeah. That's a, I re, I came across that somewhere recently and it, I thought about it because when I asked you if you wanted to come on the podcast a few weeks ago, when we were talking, I said to you, shoot me straight. What percentage chance is there of something going terribly wrong during this journey? And you told me, because I was thinking about it, like to me, being in the middle of the ocean is horrifying. The ocean terrifies me. I don't know what's going on under the water. It's, I don't need to be out there, right? There's nothing for me, but you're right. It's almost, it's easier to be out there where there's really nothing and tons of space than navigating islands and potential things under the water in bays and stuff like that. So that was comforting to hear uh, that you had that percentage chance of something going terribly wrong at 1% or less, uh, <laughs> which is nice. But now that we've set the foundation for the boat plan and, and the boat plan is literally the name of what you're calling this process, right? Like your Instagram is the boat plan. Like it's all every day you've got these cool videos where you're like, you know, you're on the toilet talking about something you're fixing or you're doing work on the boat. And so like you're physically putting your time into it. 
Now that we've laid the foundation here, can you give us a sense of what the route is going to look like? Are they going to let you go right in through the Panama Canal? Like, what are you planning to do? What's the hope? What's the current plan in terms of your path on the journey? And how long is it going to take? So pretty much, um, of course, in my mind, I'd like to go sail forever until the kids Mm -hmm. are 30, or at least Mila. But I'm going to break it down. So the plan is break it down into stages. Stage one, we're going to sail down to Sea of Cortez. That involves skipping down the coast of California. Um, and I actually did that on somebody else's boat. I was crew for them. Left yep. out of the gate of San Francisco. Three days. No land in sight to Channel Islands. Uh, but anyway, skip down the coast of California into Mexico. And then spend about seven months in Mexico where every single review and talk to a bunch of people that have been down there. Just love it. Port to port and, in Mexico along the coast, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And there's, um, and it's less port to port, but more like anchor in a beautiful bay Yep. with this island setting with marine life, clear water, warm weather. You spend a couple of days there, a couple of weeks there, however long you want. And when you a decide, personal like, cruise. Oh, you're creating yeah. a personal cruise. Yeah. Yes. Let's go yep. check out the next spot. You can go sail to the next spot. Most of it, the goal is to be pretty self-sufficient. So we have a water maker, a ton of space for storage. Theoretically, like we wouldn't have to go into port barely at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like most people do to stock up on provisions. But yep. a lot of people that do that, uh, you know, they don't like pulling into a marina and tying up to a slip. It's like busy, kind of dirty. Yep. But you can explore. Yeah. The islands, the country, everybody says it's beautiful. Like the people are super friendly and nice. So we'll do that. And then at that point, uh, there'll be a decision to make. If everybody hates it, which is quite possible. Every time <laughs> we brought the kids and like <laughs> family out for like an overnight like right. cruise on the bay, half the time I just want to throw them all in the water. So <laughs> I don't know. That might be my case too. We'll see. But uh, if we do seven, eight months there, and everybody's like, you know what, that was a great time, but time to go home. You know, I think I'll be content inside to like, yeah. we got a good chunk of time out of life, spent 24 hours a day with each other. Um, time to the go. The goal back. is to start. The goal is to start the journey and see where it takes you. Like, there's really no, you've told me before, there's no end point. It's whatever you feel like. You're just going to kind of quite literally let the wind take you, which yeah, I think checks the box. And for me, the overall arching goal is just spend time with the family mm-hmm. and to like really know my kids more. The sailboat is simply just a means to do that. It's not really about sailing. Um, of course, like one of the other drivers, I want to see, have my kids see other countries. I want to have them see people that aren't stuck to iPads every day. Yep. Don't have as much wealth and that are happy or happier and just expose them to that sort of life. But the main gist is me being involved with my children and helping to raise them and, you know, just spending more time than like a couple hours a day, catching them at the end of school, doing homework, have to do bedtime. And anybody's that's a parent. You, I think, bedtime and, 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 you know, yeah. and then you have the weekend, you have a couple of days and you got to get back to work. And yeah, um, it's just like sports, school, ugh, it's right. too busy. I don't, I don't like it. Um, I'm curious about the actual sailing aspect and, before you like got this thought process and it was sitting there, you listened to the podcast and you know, you're 
and about, okay, I want to do this. This sounds amazing. This is me. And it, it sort of trickles in. Had you, you know, had a history with sailing or, or, you know, anything on the ocean before, or was this sort of a driver to say, I want to learn how to sail. I want to, you know, start to look at what, what it's like to own a boat and get out on the water. It was mainly the driver. I'd been, my only sailing experience had been with my friend, Dave, his father had a boat in Boston Harbor. And I went out with them like multiple times. And I remember getting seasick a lot and like vomiting (laughs) from the boat. (laughs) And I hated that. So I never had like this whole overall thing of like, ah, I just want to sail. But um, no, it was the podcast listening to that. And then while I was working, there's this doctor I work with that, is totally into sailing and he took his family across the Pacific and I didn't know that for a while. And then I learned about that and I was like, wait a minute, did you cross the Pacific with your family in a sailboat? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. And he's like, you should. (laughs) And I'm like, is it hard? And he's like, nope. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) So what's the training regimen? Like, what do you, what do you have to do to get ready yeah. Or this trip, like depending on how long this goes, if it's just seven months, still sounds like, you know, three days on the boat. Like I'd be comfortable with about five minutes if someone else was you know, um, the captain. Yeah. It's so. uh so ironically, you really don't need any license legally. Like you could go buy a sailboat and just leave without any training at all. Obviously, I don't want to do that with my family on board. I don't want to kill them all. (laughs) Intentionally. (laughs) Living uh, near San Francisco Bay, it's like one of the greatest sailing spots in the country, is consistent like 20, 30 knot winds every afternoon in the summer, which is, I learned later, very windy. Um, There's currents, there's tons of boats. So I took uh, sailing classes, ASA 101. 103, 104 with a local sailing club here. And then they let you pay a monthly membership fee and you could take their sailboats out to practice. So I took those courses, did that for about a year or so. Um, And then my plan was to keep doing that. But then this boat kind of like happened. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so bought this boat actually way earlier than I was expecting to. But quit that, and then I've just been practicing with this. What? So I feel like more recently, you've been kind of going full blast fixing the boat. And by fixing the boat, I mean getting it ready to sail proper, right? Mm -hmm. Because you bought it, and you knew you were going to have to do some work with it. It was a fixer-upper in a sense. What so far have you learned? Because I don't, I watch all of them because they're interesting to me because you've always been the, the individual in my life who knows how to fix things and I don't. So you're, but you're a good teacher too. Like you're able to sort of like <laughs> clearly communicate why there's a reason to do this. What's been the most difficult fix, I'll call it, or improvement or update that you've run into so far on the boat? What, what's been like the biggest one? And is it one that you didn't expect to be this bad or was it one that you were expecting to be quite an undertaking? So I guess, uh, so when I bought this boat after, I'm heavy into research, I love researching things. So before buying this, it was thousands of hours of like podcasts, forums, what boat to buy, uh, picked that brain of the doctor I work with all the time, like what boat should I buy? And going back to the sailing experience real quick, 
was like, all right, doc, I need to buy this 20 foot boat. And then I'm going to sail that. And then I'm going to sell it in a year buy a 30 foot boat. And I had this written down on paper and then I'll buy the 45 foot to 50 foot boat. He makes a big circle, crosses out all of them. And he's like, just get the big boat. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) To kind of sum up the whole, like what you need. He's like, the sailing part actually isn't that difficult. You need to know how to fix things. Yeah. Which now I understand. So uh, yeah, this is a 1977 Fuji 45. So older boat, but like heavy build designed for like crossing oceans, basically. Yeah. Um, and it looked like the previous owners had really outfitted it for crossing oceans. It's got pretty much everything we need, all the expensive gear on it. But it sat there for a long time and it was in need of like deferred maintenance. As far as like the toughest thing to fix, I don't know. Everything's been hasn't been too bad. Thanks to YouTube, I yeah. can pretty much look up like, oh, how do I clean the heat exchanger on the sailboat? And there's 10 videos and it, it becomes very clear. Nothing's overly complicated on it. Um you had to replace the lines for the head, the toilet. It was sagging and smelling bad. So I had to crawl yeah. underneath the floor pull that out there's no, no rocket science there's just kind of just dirty not work yeah 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 it was fun putting a nice clean pvc pipe in there though but uh, oh, yeah <laughs> knowing that you wouldn't have any issues and it's you know what full circle to shout out our friend of the show the fixer um who makes those youtube videos that you watch that people watch to learn how to fix things and it's a credit to individuals like you who are able to kind of communicate through the process. He was telling us that's the hardest part of it is when you're making one of those videos showing somebody how to do X, Y, Z, you got to go and assume they know nothing about what you're doing because that's why they're there yeah. to begin with. So yeah, I mean, YouTube has been a great vessel for that pun intended. I think, you know, we've obviously got a lot of people who I try to do it as well, but that makes sense. I know um, you've got a lot of those videos where you're like chipping away at stuff, but what percentage do you think you're there to, to the point where you could just you could just shove off and go. I think I'm probably like 70% where I want to be. And as going back to that doctor, I like asked him so many questions. He's like, every boat is going to have a list of things that needs to be done, no matter what new old and same on YouTube and all the stories is like some people just continually prep their boat, like, and they never leave because there's always something else to do. Yeah. Uh, as far as big safety things, I want to replace some of the rigging. And after that, I could theoretically, I think I could leave next week and feel very comfortable safety yeah. wise, but it wouldn't be as comfortable. And I, going back to like major refit stuff, the electrical gear yeah. is I mean, nuts. There's wires like everywhere. It all works, but I want to clean it up. That's going to be yeah. the hardest, I'm sure. Uh, so I don't we'll know. Fly, we'll, fly Paul out. we'll fly Paul yeah. out. We'll spend the week with you on the boat and we'll take care of it. I, yeah. I need him. I need him. But I'm expecting a good like four or five months of solid, just like me pulling my hair out, trying to figure things out, but making the thing look nice and like be nice. So I can focus on the family and not fixing things. Although I know I will be, but yeah, that's of course you fix things in the house too, though. So give yourself a little credit. I mean, you built a kitchen. That's not bad. Yeah. The house is still in project mode, which is like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so much going on That's okay. uh, <laughs> you have like a, a target date set for departure like do you are you saying like we need to leave by july 1st of 2020 yes. like okay the, the answer is yes because generally 
to do this safely, which is my goal. Um, If you stay in certain like middle latitudes of the earth and you go certain seasons, you can pretty much avoid any major storm. So to leave San Francisco going south to Mexico, everybody pretty much leaves in October. You can leave other months, but your chance of running into something, you know, a little more lively increases. I want to avoid all of that. So the plan is really hope leave this October coming up 2023. Uh, If we miss that deadline, I pretty much need to wait another year. So October, and I'm saying October 9th, because that's the Liz and I's anniversary. (laughs) And while she is on board with this idea, she's She's not a good sport as in love with it as I am. Yeah. (laughs) But she's like, babe, you know what? It is a good idea and I'll do it for you. (laughs) She's just as, she's just adventurous enough to be like, sure. Why not? And which is probably how you guys ended up together anyway. So it makes sense, right? Good choices. Good choices. Beget good choices. Yep. Yeah. She's awesome. So I I knew she'd go with it. I just had to like give a little bit of pressure, but she's the adventurous one, just like me. And she likes doing things, you know, out of the box. So you must have had other explorations and you kind of alluded to it backstage. (laughs) You know, uh, that that you and Liz had, had gone around the country and, and you've been, you know, in a traveling nurse environment having, you know, three month stints in, in different locations. But is that where you got sort of the travel bug? Has that always existed? Where are some of the what are some of the experiences or, you know, stories that you might have from from previous travels? Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know if it was my upbringing, but I was born in Arizona. We lived there for two years, moved to Oregon, lived there for two years, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, lived there for seven years. My father was an electrical engineer, just kind of bounced around countries. And then after Albuquerque, we moved to Massachusetts. So it's kind of always moving around. Um, After high school, my friend Dave and I, we took a car, drove around the country. That was fun. Pre-cell phone, had AAA with the maps and like... I remember little that. lines oh, I remember that. <laughs> it was great Just we're gonna come like, back to hey. that part later Gibby's got a question for you that'll that'll yes. run uh congruent to that so put a pin in oh, it. nice yeah. but yeah I spent five weeks living out of a 1988 Ford Thunderbird we'd swap like which night who had to see, like sleep in the driver's seat because they didn't want to pay for a hotel you yeah, steering insane. wheel really jammed you up sleeping you're um, both nuts. <laughs> I know I speak then, for Jesse when I say you're both insane yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I joined, well, I was joined the Marine Reserves, in and out of that. Once college was done, I could not find a job with my degree, which was graphic design. I was working at Applebee's, decided to go back to school for nursing, did that, but I had this year off where I was waiting to get into nursing school. And then year off, single, nothing holding me down, sold everything, bought a around the world ticket. And then spent eight months, flew to Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, Greece, Europe, back home. That was awesome. Just backpacking. I think that really, like, I don't know what gave me the driver to really do that. Um, Actually, thinking back right now, when I was in school for graphic design, there's this girl there who's going to New Zealand for uh, ultimate Frisbee camp. (laughs) (laughs) But she's showing me pictures of New Zealand, and I'm like, that looks amazing. I need to go there. So that was another one of those. And then I don't know if that prompted the around the world thing. Anyway, I love traveling. And then I've been to Europe uh, 
a couple times with Jesse and crew going to Prague and Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Been to England, Ireland, went to Peru. Forgot about that one. Did the um, Inca Trail. Yep. So I've, I've loved traveling. It just feels raw, authentic. I like saying I live on like below. I love living on the lower levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. The upper levels are just too... I think people get in their heads too much. I enjoy living life and like you feel and see things. And then where am I going to sleep tonight? What am I going to eat? And then when you solve those problems, whatever food you're eating, wherever it is, even if it doesn't taste that good, tastes delicious. Cause like you're happy and like grateful you have like something to eat or a place to sleep. Right. And life to me is just much more enjoyable that way. <laughs> Yeah. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's, um, yeah. I think everybody has the means to do that. Right. But it's a mindset thing to be safe outside of that comfort zone and to be, you are more comfortable when you aren't in the comfort zone, when you're in the comfort zone, you're bored and you're stressed out. It's the opposite of where most people are. Cause you want to get back to home base and you want to be like, I'm safe here. I'm good here. That doesn't work. For yeah. you. So that's, that probably f- f- fuels it quite a bit. Yeah, I think that kind of summarizes things. Well, I get a little just like antsy. I'm like, ah, am I wasting my life right now? Just kind of, you know, doing the thing. Yeah. And now you're on a massively successful podcast telling your story and who knows where it goes from here. Never know. Never know. (laughs) We definitely want to explore with you, um, depending on what the internet connection looks like. And um, if we can get you back on, uh, obviously, before October um, 9th. Yeah. uh, but but definitely on on some of those explorations as we keep going. We're not signing off yet. I, I still have a couple more questions for Aaron. But yeah. um, so if all goes well on and going back to the 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 boat plan, um, if all goes well when you get down to Mexico, like is there a end? Like man, I would love to get here, or I would love to make it across. Uh, the Pacific, or you know, I'm I'm really curious what the potential path could be in your mind, and I'm sure it's there because I, I have, know, yeah, you've been chewing. I guess on. in my ideal world, we do Mexico, and then a lot of people even leave their boat that boats there for a few months over the summer. It's their kind of hurricane season. Yeah. Um, so we could even fly home for a few months, go back, but then it'd be across the Pacific. And that path is Mexico to Marquesas Islands. You go through French Polynesia, Tahiti, and then you hit all these atolls out there, which are these reefs, these circular reefs in the middle of the Pacific. And some of them on like high tide, apparently you can barely even see the land, but you'll have like palm trees sticking up out of the sand. Crazy. And the snorkeling is supposed to be amazing. Everything's supposed to be amazing. And then after that, everything, everybody follows the same route. Everybody that plays it safe and wants the easy sailing. And that's what I do. So French Polynesia, Tahiti, Society Islands, like the Cook Islands. Yep. From there, I believe, uh, ultimately, you have to decide, you have about six months to get out of that area for get rid of out of Typhoon region. A lot of people duck down in New Zealand, which would be amazing. And then you could spend six months in New Zealand kind of, rest from the boat, check out New Zealand, typhoon season passes, go up to Fiji, New Caledonia, and then Australia. And a lot of people do that. They'll sell the boat in Australia and then fly back. 
So that would be, if, if I did that, I'd be like, oh, that would be, that'd be a lot. I mean, you know, if you do that, you know what you have to do when you get to French Polynesia, I assume. Oh yeah. Some cover. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be a requirement. Now that Brian knows this, cause he'll listen to this, it's a requirement or he's going to be very upset. But yeah, I actually sick. got, I got in touch with them after listening to the podcast. Again. I'm like, Brian, it's been a while. I love that. Yeah. Like, yep. I, He's excited. He to told hear me it. all the people around Petaluma that drink kava. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't really know geography so much as he knows points of areas where there's kava being consumed and then what's near it. <laughs> the other running joke I have with him is he doesn't really understand months. He goes by the number. So whenever I'm telling him, hey, what are you doing yeah, in, in March? It's like month three. Somehow he doesn't make that trans. But yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. we've got a lot more Brian to come on this show for sure. We'll have to get both of you on at some point. See where, see where that but takes us. I love Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to your road trip with Dave, um, when you're running around town, big question that's on the podcast. Uh every every fireside chat. I've got to ask, okay, you know, you're you, you gotta stop for gas. Um, you're getting out of the car. And you need something to eat. And I know you have a very basic uh, needs profile um, somewhere to, you know, a roof over your head and water, oxygen, et cetera. But you'd love a snack and you'd love something that really pick you up. What would be your go to? What would be your your gas station snack of the <laughs> the road trip? Yeah, I remember you asking this to people. Uh, you know what? I lately. I've been really into these toffee covered peanuts. Oh. Very delicious. Can you get those? Can you get those? Is there like a, a go-to commercial version of that or is it a specialty snack? Uh, you know what? I think so. I know they're at a gas station on the way home and yep. I try to skip that gas station. And sometimes Liz pats my stomach and she's like, Aaron, you've been eating <laughs> a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> like no bit but uh <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. toffee covered peanuts they're delicious so okay. that would travel well on the boat yeah with high protein um high calorie intake for something yeah you know um you need a little extra and the size of the peanuts versus the protein that it's providing so yeah. there you go Peanuts are a common yeah. uh peanuts have been a common theme across yeah. many of our snacks and what we've learned is the peanut industry is safe they're going to be fine no matter what they're doing, there's <laughs> too many avenues into that world where they just really, the moat is large. So congrats to yeah. big peanut. <laughs> Can't go wrong. No, no. So what's the next project on the, on the boat? Um, yeah. What's the next thing you got coming up? Uh, multitude things. One, I'm taking down the standing rigging, which is the wires that keep the mass up. Mm. So I'm doing that. A lot of times people take the boat out of the water, they take the mast down, and then they get the standing rigging removed. But that would cost about $16,000, I think I was quoted. So I'm going to do it while it's in the water. Some people do that. And basically you take two stays down at a time. I'll bring them to the rigger. They'll make new sets and I'll put it back up. Replace that. While that's going on, we're kind of deep cleaning everything. We finally got all the stuff off of here from the original owner. Paint it make it look nice once that's done hitting the electrical up yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be facetiming with paul quite a bit i I imagine to to uh, those out i'll be pulling my hair out yeah but uh yeah currently replace standing rigging paint make it clean we'll start 
actually putting things back on the boat like we're going to have it when we sail off. Because I know 11 months is going to come by really, really fast or 10 months, whatever it is. What what advice would you give to someone that is starting to think about, oh, man, I need something this, you know, I need this, a new life, a, a I mean, life jump. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's like you can't be afraid to daydream a little bit and you can't be afraid. I think fear holds a lot of people back. And when I mention this boat plan to anybody, like usually the first response is that's crazy. You're dangerous. You're going to die. Yeah. But I think a lot of people forget that no matter what you do, you're mitigating risk in some way and you're avoiding risk on the other end. So if I'm in the middle of the ocean, like theoretically the boat could sink and we could die, but I'm also not driving a 3000 pound metal vehicle, 65 miles per hour down a freeway with other vehicles traveling just the same speed that can hit me and I could die from somebody else doing, you know, there's so many, right. You know, I'm avoiding all of that risk. So and then like the other thing I like to think about is I work in the ER. I see a lot of people end of life stage and I'll, I'll ask them, I'll be like, <laughs> what do you think of this idea? What should I do? What advice can you give me? And the universal answer is just go do it. Go do it now. You don't know what's going to happen in life. Um, and all the people that did a lot of stuff when they were younger, they were just so like, they were content with where they're at. And then there's another crew of people and they'd like to spill how they were just like, Oh, I wish, I wish I did. I wish I did. I wish I did. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just, just go do it. So I'd say you got something in your mind, write it down. You have to write it down on a piece of paper, research it, set a date to do it and just, you know, make it happen. I mean, worst case, you'll try it and it won't be for you, but you gave it a whirl and you still have the rest of your life to like figure things out. Yeah, nothing's permanent. I've always admired that about you, like the the zest for becoming like a student of life and learning. Like you're a lifelong learner too. Like you like to learn, you know, different things. And a lot of what you mentioned there to me comes down to conversations that you and I have had a lot around probability and odds and statistics and just having a good grasp of being okay living your life thinking, okay, this is the percentage chance this could go wrong. And that's much lower than I expected it to be. I'm going to do it or not. And so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think it's great advice. And uh, this is fantastic. We're, we're wrapping up our brother's segment of the, um, <laughs> of the holiday week. But yeah. uh, this has been awesome to meet you, Aaron. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this and having you back on, seeing how the electrical goes, um, holding firm on that 10-9 date, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and see what else, other projects come up. So, um I'm, I'm definitely going to follow the boat plan on Instagram um, and, and check out the progress, but uh, I get pretty wild on there. Thanks for, <laughs> yeah. thanks for indulging me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. bro. It was, it was good. Good. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you back again and we'll, uh, we'll get a little update from you at some point on where you are in the journey pre journey. And uh, we'll stay, we'll stay locked in with you. Yeah. hundred percent. Merry right. Christmas. Thanks bro. All right. Merry Christmas to you guys. Good see talking you, to you. Thank you.